is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, We are live and national. I want to thank you folks for being here. It's tough to see this every day, isn't it? It's tough to think about it. I know it keeps many of you awake at night. And it should, Unfortunately. And we'll talk about some of the things you're already seeing and already hearing. The the beginnings of the genocide that's taking place, and it is. And um, we have a lot of problems here. Number one, the government's lying to us. They say they've gotten out about 3,700 citizens or 3,000 citizens, American citizens. Well, how many are there? They don't know. How many are in Kabul? They don't know. How many are in the rest of the country? It's a big country. They don't know. Don't they have things called passports and so forth? Aren't there ways to figure out, at least to a significant extent, who's there and how many are there? I would think so. Shouldn't they be ramping up the State Department in order to figure these things out? And then you've seen something else happen here. The weakening of our resolve from within. You hear some, you hear me and others saying we need to prepare a massive military attack to get our people out. And to get the people who worked with us out. But you're not hearing many people say that. You're hearing some generals say it. Although some of the cherry-picked, plucked colonels and generals who've always been pacifists, American haters. I know it's weird, but it's true. They seem to have a, uh, a bigger voice than they would seem to represent. But the fact of the matter is, this is a Biden-made disaster. And I want to get into this a little bit. When you preach that your own country is racist, when you preach that your own country is founded, 
illegitimately. When you work as hard as you can to create a disconnect between our, our fantastic history, particularly our early history, and the nature of the United States today, when you don't embrace the American flag, the American national anthem, in other words, when you preach not patriotism, but un-Americanism. We come up with public figures and politicians like Joe Biden, like Kamala Harris, like Chuck Schumer, like Nancy Pelosi. We come up with TV anchors and TV hosts and their guests that they pick to push their propaganda with the big lies day in and day out. When's the last time or in many years, when's the first time you've seen sustained and regularized reports about American greatness? About the fantastic American military? About the fantastic American law enforcement? You don't. When you have enemies from within, when you have destruction from within your own country, when you attack the psyche of your own country, you wind up with an old man, a, a hackneyed politician, a man who's never gotten anything right, always been nasty, in the Oval Office. The same kind of person as Speaker of the House. You wind up with a, with worse than a rookie as Vice President of the United States, picked solely because of her gender and color. Wasn't even supported by the Democrat Party in the early primary. She was the first out. You wind up with a, a guy like Schumer, hunched over, dances like he's 127 years old, goes to the Senate floor and just endlessly smears and character assassinates his opponents. We've weakened ourselves from within. A nation that's weakened from within can't project power overseas. If we don't have the resolve to protect what is ours here at home, how are we going to have the resolve to protect ourselves from enemies overseas. This is how a nation declines, and this is how a nation falters. We have a media in America that is populated by relatively stupid, inexperienced, and hostile upper-middle-class and relatively wealthy individuals. That's what we have. People, people walk around with the New York Times. You've seen them, or if you're on a train or on a bus or whatever, particularly if you're on the East Coast. And they hold it like it's their Bible. It is their Bible. The real Bible is to be rejected, but that's their Bible. They hold on to a newspaper that is produced by a corporation 
that backed Stalin. That in many ways backed the Third Reich. And at least censored much of it. That backed Castro. And you have people graduating from journalism school where they're desperate to work for the New York Times. And the paper winds up in every newsroom in America. When a nation has lost its virtue, its moral guide, bad things happen. Half the country has done that. The other half, you, have not. And you're well aware of what's going on. The problem is they control academia. They control the media, certainly most of it. They control the bureaucracy. They're now dictating to the military critical race theory and other absurdities. They have vitiated so much of our law enforcement in this country. Letting criminals out the back door who are murdering our fellow citizens. More people die every day in one of our major cities than died in Kabul from military action, American soldiers I mean, in the last 18 months. If you don't respect the rule of law in America, you're not particularly worked up about it in any other country. The American Marxist is not keen on human life. How can you be an American Marxist and be keen on human life when you're adopting, in part, ideologies from genocidal mass murder? No, Mark's not saying Democrats support genocidal mass murder. I'm saying the ideology that has led to this. Then they wake up and it's too late. You notice how the media now are beginning to condemn Biden, some of them? But they gave us Biden. They brought us Biden. The same media that won't go down to the southern border and report each day what's going on there, which is horrendous and horrific. The same media that barely covers what's going on in our inner cities on the black-on-black murder and genocide that's taking place in this country. That media. And a Democrat party that does not stand for America. There's a video going around of Joe Biden, I think it was 2014, give or take. America's not special, he essentially says. What, what, do we, what do we even mean by an American? What do we even mean by an American? Can somebody explain it to us? America's not special. And he's president of the United States. America is racist, he says. And he's president of the United States. And he's president of the United States. We're going to jump in with both feet on what's going on. But I wanted to lay out this predicate. The weaker we become at home, and the less we embrace our history, the less we embrace our principles, the less we embrace our enormous success, the less we will hold on to all of them.
great countries have dissolved. There's nothing, nothing that ensures this country won't either. Except you. Except you. When I wrote this book, American Marxism, I was wondering, should I, should I do two things at once here? Should I write about the internal war plus the war that we are going to face with China? And I believe this. And I've believed it for many, many years. Those of you get Levin TV or watch me on Fox and listen to this show. I'm not at Johnny come lately to this issue. If we don't reverse course here at home, there's no reversing course. Because the people making decisions today will be the people making these decisions tomorrow. And as I speak to you, Nancy Pelosi has brought the House back for the purpose of fundamentally altering our kind of government we have, the economic system we have, uh, giving uh, amnesty to millions and millions of individuals, and then through chain migration, they'll bring in tens of millions more. Because they'll vote Democrat, most of them. That's been the history. They want to spend money, trillions and trillions of dollars, that up to a couple of years ago was unfathomable. It is unsustainable. They want to massively increase taxes to redistribute wealth, mostly to their base, and create new welfare programs so they can build their base. This is all a dagger in the heart of the country. And they have no mandate for any of this. 50-50 Senate, she's got four or five majority vote in the House. She feels she's going to lose the House, so she's going to do everything she can. So they are ruling against the people, against the will of the people. They hide their agenda, then they dump it on us. They want to change the voting system so they can never lose. They want to change the, the gerrymandering system so they can never lose. They want to change the population so they can never lose. They want to change the Supreme Court so they can never lose. That's what's going on here. They want to appoint the judges. They want to appoint the generals. I just want to point out one quick thing. I know of no better way to start to spread the word and to build a movement against this than to read American Marxism or listen to the audio of it. I don't know any other way to do it. 850,000 of you have. I want to encourage the rest of you. Go to Amazon. Go somewhere. The time is now. The place is here. You see the things crumbling all around us. Really, we need your help. Your kids are going to college and universities. They're going to high school. They're going back. They need your help, too. They need your help. We need your help. This is not simply a theoretical book. It's a game plan. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. just finish up this point when you literally teach young people to hate their own country and when you literally weaken the foundations of this country the greatest country on the face of the earth the reason we have the greatest military is because we're the greatest country you can't survive as a free people that's for sure look what's going on in Afghanistan we have a diverse country here It's extraordinarily diverse, whether you look at religion, ethnicity, race, even more than that. It's a very, very diverse country, and we're able to keep it all together because of our rule of law, which is just, because of our constitutional system, because of federalism, where where states operate differently and counties within states operate differently, so there's not one set of rules for everybody, whether they like it or not. And yet that is the attack, isn't it? To be like every other country, failed country, to centralize authority because the American Marxists wish to impose their will on the entirety of the country. It's not good enough to have some red states and blue states, some pro-abortion, some anti-abortion, some pro-death penalty, some anti-death, on and on and on. No. It's their way, period. And so for those of you who have American Marxism, tonight would be a great night to go to Chapter 3. Not on the radio, in your own homes and so forth. It's entitled Hate America, Inc. And this is a huge problem. It is a huge problem that now resonates throughout our bureaucracy, that resonates throughout our politics, that resonates throughout our media. Hate America, Inc., who's behind it, how they conduct themselves, the consequences of it, because that in particular is what we're facing and that's sawing off the foundations of this country. We'll jump in now when we return. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark doesn't suffer fools well. So, if you're a fool, don't call 877-381-3811. It's obvious from every single perspective that this is a disaster. I'll give you some basics. How many Americans are in Afghanistan? We don't know. So they say, look, we've already evacuated 3,300. Well, is that 3,300 of 30,000 or what? Used to be we go to the end of the earth to get one. One American. 
says it's a big problem. We don't know how many Americans are in Afghanistan. We don't know how many Americans are in Kabul, which is their biggest city by far. We don't know how many Americans are in other parts of the, uh, of the country. No idea. That's number one. Number two, we have no idea how we're going to get them out of there. Biden's been asked. Secretary of State's been asked. Secretary of Defense has been asked. Their press people have been asked. They don't have an answer. Just they're going to do the best they can. Well, the best they can is not good enough. Is it? Number three. I was watching the press event at the Pentagon with this guy, Admiral Kirby. And I looked up Admiral Kirby. He wasn't always a rear admiral. He got uh, a number of uh, promotions while he was working in the Obama administration, including under the then hapless Secretary of Defense, Chuck Hagel. And he spent most of his career in the Navy as a communications person. I didn't know we had Rear Admiral Communications people, did you, Mr. Producer? So he's not like one of these regular combat vets like I had on uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin, the commander of British forces at the time, Colonel Richard Kemp, or some of the others. He's very smooth, this guy Kirby. Exactly what we don't need, smooth. So the American people are constantly being lied to. Um, Fox has done a hell of a job, a hell of a job, trying to get information. Parts of CNN have done very well, but most of it has not. And what's taking place here is a disgrace all around. I want you to listen to this. I never thought I'd hear this in my life. Let's get number seven ready, Mr. Producer. This is the NSA, the head of the NSA, the, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, who is so pathetic. I do have a question. Behind this microphone, I told you about Jake Sullivan, Anthony Blinken. I've told you about these men. Now, in the case of the Secretary of State, you confirmed him anyway. Why did you do that? Well, I believe uh, if you're President of the United States, you should get whoever you want. I think that was Lindsay. Well, he got whoever he wanted. No, that's not the purpose of the constitutional clause that gives the Senate the opportunity to confirm or reject. The purpose is to do your job. And the Democrats, of course, blocked everyone and anyone they could when it came to Trump. But we don't play that way. No, 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 no. We don't do that sort of thing. We're Republicans. Cut seven. Go. Does the administration think that they need Taliban agreement to extend beyond August 31st? As I said, we are engaging with the Taliban, uh, uh, consulting with the Taliban on every aspect of what's happening in Kabul right now. 
on what's happening at the airport, on how we need to ensure that there is facilitated passage to the airport for American citizens, SIVs, third country nationals, and so forth. We'll continue those conversations with them. Ultimately, it will be the president's decision how this proceeds, no one else's. Really? Well, the, the head uh, Yabba Dabba just said that uh, you can't go beyond August 31st. Now, what's our Yabba Dabba going to do in response to their Yabba Dabba? Hmm? You think this is what Donald Trump would do? Do you think this is what Ronald Reagan would do? You have these generals going to the microphone. Not a damn one of them sounds like George Patton. Do they? Well, we, you know, do you have enough, uh, you know, you have enough resources? And, well, we got enough. And that, that, this general, I don't know his name, big guy, he answers the question. I thought, I don't even understand your answer. And then the reporter said, I don't understand your answer. They do not have enough of what they need. As tough as they are, they're not tough enough to resign, and they're not tough enough to say so to a complete buffoon as commander-in-chief. How is it that we know more than they do? Because it's common sense. How is it that we know you don't pull the military out before you account for every single citizen? Because it's common sense. They don't have enough resources to, uh, to maintain the Bagram Airport. It's a massive facility. It was housing hundreds, if not thousands, of the uh, Islamo-Nazis. And um, they give it up. Oh, we had to make a choice. No, you didn't have to make a choice. Your commander in stupidity made you make a choice. Because everything he does is political. Political. I want to get out of Afghanistan, and by God, I'm going to get out of Afghanistan. Well, now, so do tens of thousands of American citizens, and they're stuck. They're stuck. But we got 3,300 out so far. And how many are there? I don't know. And what are you going to do about them? I don't know. Well, how come the French and the Germans and the British are sending commandos out beyond the, uh, beyond the airport? I don't know. How many weapons of ours do they have? Humvees, everything, upgraded. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we prepared for every contingency. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? When you surrender, there's a lot of things that happen that you may not anticipate. Particularly when you surrender, when you have thousands of American citizens behind enemy lines. And this dumbass, excuse my French, he goes to the microphone, this president. He's smirking like it's a day in the park. And every one of those damn advisors of his, not one of them is going to be held to account. Not one. And what does Nancy Pelosi do? She's a domestic enemy. Hello. She's a domestic enemy. What does Nancy Pelosi do? She thinks now's the time to strike at the heart of our constitutional system. Now's the time to strike at the heart of our economic system. Now's the time to strike at the heart of our financial system. What does Nancy Pelosi do? She's unleashing the hordes of Marxists she has in her own... Oh, the squad. 
Has anybody heard from the squad lately? Has anybody heard from the squad about the women and children in Afghanistan? Of course not. Nothing. Democrats are hiding out. Anybody here lately from Adam Kingsinger or Liz Cheney? Well, maybe they've said something, but clearly they haven't said it loudly enough, or they haven't repeated it, because I can't hear. Can you hear? No, I can't hear. Why aren't the reporters sitting outside of Chuck Schumer's house and tracking him down? Why don't they pretend he's Roger Stone? Remember when they did that, Mr. Producer? Why aren't they outside of Chuck Schumer's house? And let me tell you something. This may not be technically criminal, so not in the legal technical sense, but in the broader perspective, this is criminal. What's going on here is unbelievable. We just gave all our technology to the enemy. And that'll be China, Iran, Russia, whoever wants it. ISIS is back. ISIS is back. ISIS is back. Well, that 20-year war is long enough. I tell you what, that 20-year war and the neocons and uh, the military and just... 20-year war? As long as we want to be free, we don't get to choose our enemies. For crying out loud, you don't choose your enemies. You do what's right. The word is, as I said before, not ideology. It's prudence. What is the prudent thing to do? That's just too many troops. Non-combat troops. 2,500 in Afghanistan. Backed up by Bagram and backed up by intelligence. Nah, nah, nah. That's too many. We got to get out of there. Got to get out. Imbeciles. Imbeciles. We're surrounded by imbeciles. Imbeciles with TV cameras and microphones. Imbeciles with colors on their chests. Stars on their shoulders. Imbeciles. True imbeciles. Like the fool in the White House. This is the decline of America. That's what you're watching. And the rise of the communist Chinese regime. You're watching it in real time. Exactly the wrong leaders. At exactly the wrong time in history. They are squandering our military might. They are squandering our economic system. They are squandering the greatest constitutional system mankind has ever created. They are burning down what generations have created. And they won't stop. And they won't stop. The crisis starts from within. The crisis starts from within. We must push back. We must take the minds and hearts back of these people who've been indoctrinated in our classrooms and watching the media. And for a few bucks, maybe extend an unemployment check or so forth, will vote for people who are destroying our country. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Here's an unbelievable exchange between Peter Ducey, one of the really good reporters in this country. I mean, I would even say great. I mean, he is absolutely terrific. And Pisaki, one of the most contemptible human beings on the public scene today. Cut eight, go. Does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan, it's the way that he has ordered it to happen? by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We what? Are... What? I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They're not? Can you hear their voices? Can you hear them screaming out, ladies and gentlemen, while they're hiding behind their doors? Being told by the State Department to hunker down? Do you know what I think about when I hear that? The people calling 911 because nobody knew what to do on 9-11. Stay where you are. There's help coming. Stay where you are. Turned out that was the worst decision of all. I mean, the place is crawling with these cockroaches. Go ahead. To bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text. You are not in touch with all of them. You don't even know how many there are. You may be committed to bringing them home, but you will not commit the military resources to go get them. Now, we are not stupid, you jerk. We're not stupid, you jerk. We know exactly what's going on. You blew it and you blew it big time. What kind of a clown pulls out the military before he pulls out American citizens? And you think we're blind? We don't see the Brits and the French and the Germans going in and trying to get their people out? You've got your foot on the throat of the United States military. They can't do what the United States military is quite capable of doing. But you don't want any pictures of any of these Taliban cockroach scum being crushed. Go ahead via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to reach Well, there's only one way to reach them, and it's to go get them. Oh, they sent us a text and an email. Now what? Oh, they filled out one of our 14-page forms. Now what? You fool. Go ahead. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right? I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want. What he to said is Americans are stranded in Afghanistan, and I want to be very clear. They are. This is what I mean. We're surrounded by Tokyo Roses. Do you know who Tokyo Rose was, Mr. Producer? You can Google it, folks. We're surrounded by propagandists who are now harming our country and endangering our citizens. What the enemy needs to hear is, we have American citizens there. We're building up our military forces right now. We've given them an ultimatum that we're going to go in and get them. And if you get in the way, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it like you've never regretted anything in your life. That's what you do. You find our hardest, hard-ass general, and you put him in charge. And you put him in charge. You pull together our NATO forces again, who didn't want to leave, 
And they had more forces there than we did. The British, the French, the Germans, and others. And you say, all right, boys. One more battle. One more. Because we don't leave our citizens in enemy territory. Amongst ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. And every putrid cockroach on the face of the earth. But apparently that's too hard to say. Don't, don't say our people are stranded there. That's not true. We're going to do everything possible to get them removed. And that includes what? Well, they're texting us and they're sending us email. You believe this? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. Phil Valentine was a tremendous radio host in Nashville. He was also syndicated. I met him a couple of times. I didn't know him that well. He was a gentleman, a southern gentleman. Extremely articulate. Brilliant man. Who loved this country and loved his fellow citizens. He was committed to liberty. He fought the effort by a Republican governor to institute income taxes in Tennessee. And Phil won. There is no state income tax in Tennessee. He was a radio radio ratings star, too. Always had the, by far, highest numbers on our Nashville affiliate. He was also a very humble man. You know, folks, when this... Well, when this virus started, nobody really knew what much to make of it. When these vaccines came out, there were a lot of debates. There was a lot of confusion about should I or shouldn't I? A lot of that confusion came out of the FDA and the other heavy red tape bureaucrats in the medical and scientific bureaucracy in our country, which is vast, by the way, in our government. So Phil was trying to sort through all that. He wasn't an anti-vaxxer. You point out, you want to get the vaccine, go ahead. I'm not, he said. This is a man who was a substantive man, who had a lifetime of work. And virtually the only thing the media could focus on was when he said, I was not going to be vaccinated. Turns out he would die from the virus. And early on when he was in the hospital, as I read... 
He said, I should have encouraged people to be vaccinated. So our corrupt media, which is utterly heartless, utterly heartless, has been pouncing on that since his death was announced on Saturday. If you didn't know anything about Phil Valentine, that's all you would know about Phil Valentine. And truly, that's all the corrupt Marxist media do know about Phil Valentine, because they try and create caricatures out of all of us, including me, including the late, great Rush Limbaugh. This is what they do. But I want you to know this was an enormously talented man, a family man, a man who loved his country, a man who day in and day out tried to defend your liberties in a very classy and articulate way. Many of you in the nation don't know who Phil Valentine is, but many of you do. If you don't, you ought to really look him up. Ignore all the usual propaganda from the usual platforms. But it's very, very sad. I don't believe he was more than 60 or 61 years old. Very, very sad. And I just want to wish his family all the best. For my family, our deepest sympathies. And may God uh, bless his soul. And I wanted to say that for Phil Valentine. You know, things just keep moving fast. They keep moving fast, and sometimes you've got to hit the brakes and slow down to focus on things that also need to be discussed. He was a warrior, and our warrior, we can't afford to lose any warriors, folks. We can't afford to lose any warriors. We just can't. Because we're up against it right now, trying to claw our way back. American Marxism has made great progress toward instituting its goals over the last several years. If it is to be defeated as it must, albeit a daunting and complex mission, its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. The urgency of the moment must be realized in the emergence of a unified patriotic front of previously docile, divergent, and or disputatious societal, cultural, and political factions and forces, which have in common their belief that America's worth defending must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. We must rise to this challenge, as did our founding fathers, when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. Admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine, as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nonetheless, I fervently believe America as we know it will forever 
be lost if we do not prevail. That, of course, is on the jacket in the first chapter of American Marxism. More to my point, I want you to listen to a gentleman by the name of John Garmendi. John Garmendi has been around a long time in the politics of California. He's a buffoon who's been active in and around San Francisco for many, many years. He's a buffoon. And I want you to hear what he had to say on CNN the other day. Cut 11, go. The U.S. Embassy in Kabul is now warning that the U.S. cannot, uh, the U.S. government cannot ensure safe passage of- safe passage to Kabul airport. Uh, And this is very tricky for people who are stuck outside the airport, which is an area essentially controlled by the Taliban. What do you think should be done about this? Well, first of all, I think my colleague with whom I have enormous respect is absolutely wrong. We're going to send American troops into the heart and into the suburbs and into the streets of Kabul to extract people. It makes no sense whatsoever. We do control the airport. Uh, We are going to do the very best we can, and the people in Kabul and in other parts of this country are going to have to do the best they can to get there. There is no way that the American military should use military force to go to someone's house or some building somewhere to extract people. All right. He obviously doesn't have any family members in Afghanistan. It's a cold-hearted man, and he represents the overwhelming majority of elected and appointed Democrats in this country. And I hope you folks who are of the Muslim faith, and I hope you folks who are of color, I hope you see what your Democrat Party is doing. They don't care. I'll put it as bluntly as I know it. They do not care. It's that simple. They don't care. And it is very, very worrisome. You know, many years ago, there was a gentleman, I wish I could remember his name. Not too far from where I live, he had an Afghan restaurant. Now, I've never been to Afghanistan. I hear people say they were. Many have fought there. I had not. But we would have these long talks. This restaurant has since gone out of business, but we would have these long talks. He was first-generation American, extremely patriotic, loved America. And he would explain to me that the Taliban was a minority of the population of Afghanistan. That the vast majority of the population of Afghanistan wanted nothing to do with the Taliban. And that you have various tribes in Afghanistan, you have various ethnicities in Afghanistan. He would explain to me that Pakistan was always a problem for Afghanistan because it was a... uh, was a safe haven for Al-Qaeda and the Taliban to operate from, that a corrupt government and corrupt generals would protect them for money, 
so forth. This is why Osama bin Laden was found where? In Pakistan. And we wouldn't have these long talks. And uh, this is the problem. People act like the vast majority of Afghans are Taliban, that they, they've been living in caves and mountains. They have not. They have not. Unfortunately, they've had one corrupt government after another. But so many of these people are good people. Which is why they're trying desperately to get the hell out of there. Because they know what's coming. This minority of the population is going to hunt down the minority Christian Afghans, the minority Jewish Afghans. And Afghanistan, in many respects, is made up of various diverse minority groups. And so, the 7th century throwbacks are the Taliban. Not all the people of Afghanistan. Now you heard the commander of British forces at one point, Colonel Richard Kemp on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And what did he say? Over the last seven years, 50,000 Afghans died fighting for their country. In seven years, 50,000. We lost about that many in Korea. We lost about 60,000 in Vietnam. And he was offended. He said, you know, I, I only fought next to American troops and others, but we fought next to Afghan troops. And you hear, hear people say they don't even know how to count. They don't even know how to count these people. They don't know left from right. First of all, that's a bunch of crap. But second, who cares? I don't know how many Taliban know how to count and know left from right. But people in their heart and soul who want to be free, they understand that. Who want to protect their their wives and their daughters, they understand that. And by the way, the extent to which little boys are raped in Afghanistan, especially by the terrorists, is unbelievable. So much for for them and their practice in view of their holy book. Just appalling. The Democrat Party and these Marxists, they like to talk about human rights and women's rights when it's easy. You can talk about women's rights in America. You know what? They're not getting the same pay as these guys. It doesn't matter. The guys have been in more... It doesn't oh, no, no, no. And the Me Too movement. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then in Afghanistan, they're marrying 12-year-old girls, raping women. To... Silence. Silence from Hollywood. Silence from the Me Too movement. Silence. Because in America, you really have nothing on the line when you trash your own country here. Or when you accuse it of, of horribles that it doesn't sanction. doesn't matter. It's so racist in America. Really? Tell me. How many people would trade places with somebody in Afghanistan? Of the same race? Or Iran? How many? None. The great America. None. Then we have this guy, Karamendi. What do you expect them to do? Send the military in there, go in the street, to the suburbs to find our citizens? 
Have you ever heard anyone talk like this before? Yeah, Joe Biden. I'll be right back. Lovin. Come on, people. I know it's easy to get down and upset. I'm with you. We've got to get inspired and rise up. We've got to push back. We've got to push back. And we can do this. Our ancestors have done this. Many of you have done it already. We've got to push back. Don't send your kids off to college where they're going to be indoctrinated without help. Don't sit there and listen to these to these American Marxists go on and on about the, the genius of what Nancy Pelosi is about to do. Don't allow them to, to attack our founding anymore. Please jump in with so many of us and get your American Marxism and read it. Don't just get it, read it and pass it to the family. Let's spread it. Let's go. We've got to keep hammering away. When I saw the mocking of Iwo Jima, and the memorial to Iwo Jima, that struck home for me as my grandfather, my mother's father, fought at Iwo Jima and saw horrendous casualties at Iwo Jima. And so when I hear this congressman say, what do you expect us to do? Send the military door-to-door in Kabul in the suburbs? I know what my grandfather would say. First of all, I wish he were here, but thank God he hasn't seen this. And same with my father. My grandfather, a fantastic man, a Marine. He, he looked the look of John Wayne. He walked in, he would wear Stetson, he would wear a brown leather coat. He lost his voice and he would, he would talk like this because he lost his voice. He went in with 105 men, and five of them lived. He saw what the Japanese were doing. And I know what my grandfather would say today. He'd say, you're damn right we go in and get our citizens. The greatest generation for a reason. And he would have looked at that mocking of Iwo Jima, the memorial in Iwo Jima... And he'd be spitting teeth right now. For all those, you're going to send your kids in there? You're just going to send your kids? First of all, the people who say they aren't sending anybody in. We're going to be sending a lot more kids into war if we don't get this right. And I'm afraid we're not getting it right. And I'm afraid we're not going to get it right. The Washington Free Beacon, Adam Credo, emboldened Iran to hold war drills with Russia and China. Iran holding war drills with Russia and China. As Biden is negotiating with them, got them billions of dollars, and they are racing to get their nuclear warheads. I'll be right back. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. 
I want you to listen briefly. Most of you heard this, I believe. But you can never be sure. Just a few minutes from Colonel Richard Kemp, the commander of British forces in Britain early in the war. And I want you to listen to him. You don't have to believe me. And he fought side by side with NATO forces, including American forces. And he fought side by side with Afghan forces. And I don't cherry pick guests to give me the consequences and the results and the conclusions that, that are ideological. I pick guests who I believe know what the hell they're talking about and will convey that information to you. Cut 17, go. I wanted the American people to have a perspective from a commander on the ground who actually fought in Afghanistan about what you've seen taking place from Britain over the last week or so. Um, You know, from my perspective and the perspective of a lot of Americans, this is a complete humiliation and disaster and a complete surrender on the terms the Taliban have wanted. And uh, I'm deeply concerned that this is what we call a tipping point in the decline of the United States military power and the rise of the communist Chinese. Now, I've, I've laid a lot out there. I would just like, first of all, your take on what you've seen. I'd like to begin by saying I've I've served alongside, I've fought alongside U.S. forces in different places in the world. I have the greatest admiration and respect for the American armed forces. And anything I might say, any criticism I might make in relation to Afghanistan is not a criticism of the U.S. forces. I think uh, this, what we're seeing and what we've seen in the last few days is It's the greatest foreign policy disaster that I have seen in my lifetime of any nature from any Western country. And I would go so far as to say that this is the most disastrous foreign policy event since at least the Second World War for the United States of America. It it, it has unbelievable strategic consequences well beyond Afghanistan itself. And I think, you know, people often compare... Uh, Vietnam and Saigon in 1975 to the things they're seeing on the television now, I think it is worse than that, and it's very different to that. But it did take the American armed forces 15 years to recover from Saigon. It took them until the Gulf War in 1991. That's the scale of the disaster that they uh, faced in 75, and I think it's, as I say, worse And one of the reasons it's worse is because in Saigon and in Vietnam, the North Vietnamese were not trying to attack or destroy the United States of America. They were very much focused on that country, on Vietnam. And so when the U.S. left, it left a failed strategy, a failed war, in effect, for a number of reasons. But it did not leave uh, a war that, that, that it should have still been fighting and in fact, in, in this, in the situation in Kabul, the, the reason we were there was to prevent another 9-11, prevent another serious terrorist attack against the West from Afghanistan. And we succeeded in that in 20 years. But as we're leaving with ignominity, I think uh, that threat remains. And it, it's re-energized the threat. I think the threat is worse now than it was before 9-11, the threat to the West. And not only that, but we've done exactly what Al-Qaeda wanted us to do on 9-11. They brought down the Twin Towers. They flew a plane into the Pentagon 
for one reason, till they wanted to lure the United States into Afghanistan where they would destroy the US forces and humiliate the US around the world. Well, it's 20 years later, but pretty much that's what they've achieved now. The, the American forces have not been destroyed, nor have they been defeated on the battlefield, but they have been humiliated by their president. Um, and, and the whole of the United States of America and the Western world has also been humiliated. And it goes beyond that as well. The NATO alliance, our own defense secretary in Britain, said he would, he attempted to cobble together a coalition of NATO states led by Britain without America to remain in Afghanistan. Nobody took his call. Now that says what NATO is. NATO is actually a paper tiger. It only is America. So when America pulls out, NATO is nowhere. And I think all of these things and many others have massive strategic implications for the world and, and for the US prestige and for all of the good the US has done in the world. That's been undermined by President Biden's catastrophic decision to withdraw un unconditionally, without any regard to what's going on on the ground or politically or in security terms, to unconditionally withdraw from the uh, country of Afghanistan. Really quite shocking. One more. Let's go to cut 18. Go. Colonel Kemp, my question to you is, um, given what's taken place now in Afghanistan, and it's ongoing, uh, and uh, assuming that Joe Biden stays on the same course, what are the consequences for the United States, Britain, NATO, the free world, and that area of the world now? I think the consequences of what's just happened and what's still happening are absolutely devastating for the whole of the Western world. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the, 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 the catastrophic effect on NATO. NATO is a very important military alliance. Many presidents have, have, uh, uh, have uh, criticised it for not pulling its weight, of the European member states in particular, and they're right to do so. But President Biden has just completely destroyed its credibility, totally destroyed it, uh, single-handed. And, you know, we're seeing we're, what we face now is a, a terrorist threat coming out of Afghanistan, that is greater than the terrorist threat before 9-11. Jihadists around the world have been celebrating the events, and, and not least the president, not that it is a jihadist, but the president of Pakistan, Imran Khan, who himself celebrated it. He should be celebrating because Pakistan significantly funded uh, the Taliban throughout the campaign, while at the same time being paid vast amounts of money by America and Britain. Um, but they're, they're celebrating around the world. Hamas in in Gaza are celebrating what's happening here. Um, and, and they will be re-energised. They will see that their recruitment has been boosted. They will be reinvigorated and they will launch attacks around the world against our countries, as they did really when they were being inspired by the Islamic State. Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State are strong in Afghanistan at the moment. Al-Qaeda fought alongside the Taliban in recent battles. They will operate freely. It doesn't matter what the Taliban say to you. They will allow the Al-Qaeda Al and the Islamic State to operate freely there. And they can operate more freely than they could before 9-11 because they know there's no fear of Western intervention now. That, that's finished. That's history. That's not going to happen again. They know that, and so they'll be even bolder than before. And jihadists from around the world will flock into Afghanistan to train, prepare, and launch attacks against the West. So the, the state of the terrorist threat is higher than it was at the height of the Islamic State's power when they controlled large parts of Syria and of Iraq. That's just one aspect of the situation. 
Uh, there, there's no one really who is celebrating this situation more than uh, Russia and China. They're, they're the greatest cheerleaders for what's happened. They've helped to bring it about, but they, they now will be, will be emboldened themselves. They've done a great deal against the West, a huge amount against the West in the past. They now will look at the, the deterrent that the United States used to present, and they will see that they've got pretty much an open field to do almost whatever they like. Um, and, and those countries that we had hoped to entice onto our side in the, uh, in, in, to, onto the, into the Western sphere, those countries um, will say, why would we do that? These people are clearly fair-weather friends. We can't rely on them. We can't trust them. And they will see Russia and China as being the more reliable ally than any country in the West. And so that will be extremely damaging for, for, for our ability to wield power. And yet that was one of the reasons that President Biden gave for pulling out of Afghanistan, that um, he, he, he would focus more effort, he'd be able to focus more effort on, um, on confronting China and Russia. Well, that's got, that's, he, this is a completely the reverse of what he expected to happen. There's, there's so many other implications that I could go through. I won't go through them all because uh, I think those are probably the most severe implications. We're going to see China holding the upper hand over Afghanistan now, together with Pakistan. And they will use their influence together with Russia and Iran in Afghanistan. They will use that influence not only to enrich themselves by plundering Afghanistani um, uh, minerals and resources, but by using what they have there to hit against the West. So the whole world just became vastly more dangerous. The U.S. government, the U.S. government, President Biden humiliated the United States. He humiliated the United States Army. In my opinion, and I, I don't say this lightly, and I've never said it about anybody else, any other leader in this position, people have been talking about impeaching President Biden. I don't believe President Biden should be impeached. He's the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces, who's just essentially surrendered to the Taliban. He shouldn't be impeached. He should be court-martialed for betraying the United States of America and the United States Armed Forces. I wish that were so. I wish he could be. But we do have impeachment. And I hear precious little said about it coming out of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. I started this push for impeachment almost a month ago now, Biden, even before Afghanistan. What he was doing on the southern border, you do realize the southern border is still overwhelmed. People are coming in here almost a quarter of a million a month. A quarter of a million. They're coming in here with diseases. They're coming in here with the criminal records. Um, young girls are still being molested. Women are being raped. We are absolutely overwhelmed. And they're pouring into this country by the hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And some terrorists on the terrorist watch list have been caught. Do you see any effort by this administration to do anything about it? No. And just as a footnote, because these uh, segments coming to an end, this constant attack on Ron DeSantis in Florida should raise his appeal to you conservatives. Why? Because Biden and his comrades do this to deflect attention from what they're doing. What have they done with the massive medical bureaucracy and the massive uh, scientific uh, community in this bureaucracy 
to fight the Delta variant. They haven't done anything. There's no Operation Warp Speed on the Delta variant. The border's wide open, so people could have God knows how many variants coming in here. They're coming from all over the world, not just south of the border. Africa, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Europe, Eastern Europe. We know nothing about them. Nothing. And so they point to, look at, look at Florida. I saw a report recently on my favorite cable channel. Look at Florida. Look at the number of hospitalizations. You don't look at the number of hospitalizations. You look at the number of deaths. Which is why they keep looking at the number of hospitalizations. But you cannot mention the spread of these variants without mentioning Joe Biden and what he's done to this border. There's a reason why there's a concentration of outbreaks in southwestern United States and southern California. And not on the northern border. There's a reason. He's responsible for that too. So he blames Trump for Afghanistan. Everybody but himself. He blames DeSantis for the spread of the coronavirus. And let me tell you something, folks. If we don't recapture this government in two years and recapture the presidency in four, um, I don't know. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. It's already begun. This from the Jerusalem Post, uh, citing Reuters. Saudi Arabia, Russia signed military cooperation agreement. And the, uh, the Saudi deputy minister says, met with Russian defense minister Sergei Shagu to explore ways to strengthen the military and defense cooperation between our two countries. And it goes on. And so Russia and China are now in joint military operations with Iran. And Saudi Arabia reached out to Russia to sign a military cooperation agreement. Uh, This is only going to get much, much, much worse. And not just for us, but for our allies. Colonel Kemp is exactly correct. I want you to do us all a favor at the break. At the top of the hour. First of all, I want you to know something. I might as well tell you now. So much of the money I get from American Marxism is going to charity. And one of my favorite charities that don't even know about it yet. So please, put that out of your head. Oh, Mark's pushing us. I am pushing a mission. I am pushing a mission. At the break, at the top of the hour, I'd love to see how many of you will flood into Amazon.com and get your copies or get copies for people who don't have them, okay? I'm on a mission. We must spread the word. I have not done this before. I'm doing it now. At the break, which is coming up in seconds, please, as Surge, head over to Amazon.com, American Marxism, and you must become the Paul Revere's. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I bet you Cindy McCain is having second thoughts about her support for Joe Biden. Maybe not. I know John McCain would be disgusted by everything he sees. I believe she was appointed as an ambassador to some country. Speaking of which, apparently Joe Biden's nominator is going to nominate Rahm Emanuel to be ambassador to Japan. I think he should be ambassador to Afghanistan, don't you, Mr. Reducer? I think so. Well, I want to swing into another topic, then we'll swing back when Tom Cotton comes on in about 15 or 20 minutes. But before I do, the Daily Signal is a highly respected news operation coming out of the Heritage Foundation. And they just wrote a piece that I think is very, very important. 15 million votes in 2020 election not accounted for, report finds. By Fred Lucas, who's a longtime reporter as well. Almost 15 million mail-in ballots were unaccounted for in the 2020 presidential election, and more than a million more ballots were undeliverable, according to a new study. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, which is headed by a very bright man, you've heard Jay Christian Adams before, uh, released a research brief assessing the effect of mass mail-in balloting in an election with a close presidential race in key battleground states, such as Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Now, Adams, by the way, is a former uh, litigator in the Department of Justice in the Civil Rights Division voting section. These figures detail how the 2020 push to mail voting Needs to be a one-year experiment, Jay Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, said. The report found that 1.1 million mail-in ballots were undeliverable for various reasons. Election officials rejected another 560,000 mail-in ballots. Another 14.7 million mail ballots met an unknown fate, the report says. Holy crap! Joe Biden, who defeated Donald Trump, they write, uh, with an electoral victory of 306 to 232 after winning Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin by 0.6 percentage points or less. A Washington Post analyst in February found that flipping fewer than 43,000 votes across those three states could have changed the election outcome. 43,000 votes across those three states. The Georgia Election Board voted to conduct a review of election questions that emerged from Fulton County. By the way, I don't believe I'm supposed to be talking about this. Yes, yes. The Taliban is on Twitter. Trump has been banned for life. I'm sure I can't talk about this, but I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to. The Georgia Election Board voted to conduct a review of election questions that emerged from Fulton County, the state's most populous county. The review panel will investigate Fulton County's handling of elections, not only in 2020, but complaints predating that. And it could result in the state's choosing an administrator to replace the Fulton County Registration Elections Board. Now, the report from Public Interest Legal Foundation analyses 
uh, on the undeliverable rejected and unaccounted for ballots in 2022. The report says, to put these numbers in perspective, Joe Biden carried Arizona by 10,457 votes. If the state's Maricopa County reportedly sent ballots to 110,092 outdated or wrong addresses, the group said. So they took all this data and they did an analysis. The same scenario roughly happened in Nevada, where Biden carried with 33,596 votes, yet Clark County bounced 93,279 ballots. The report, can you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot, would they be saying about this election? Oh, the broadcast companies and their boardrooms would be very, very upset. It's like the vaccine. Don't raise any questions. And yet while the Democrats and Biden were trashing the coming and the development of the vaccines, these companies said nothing. Because they're basically run by Democrats and leftists, that's why. The report adds, the lesson is clear. Increased reliance on mass mail voting must correlate with aggressive voter registration list maintenance. The report also explains unknown ballots. The U.S. Election Assistance Commission asked local officials how many ballots were not returned as voted, were undeliverable, or were otherwise unable to be tracked. And they write, the United States Postal Service Inspector General most recently reported that only 13% of mail ballots in the 2018 general election used the official tracking system. This means there's a wide variety of things that can happen to a ballot in the unknown column. The report shows that Clark County, Nevada, had the second highest number of unknown ballots behind Los Angeles County, California. Of the 10 counties with the most unknown ballots, seven are in California, a state that Biden won handily. Democrats in Congress back expansion of this mail-in voting system, known as H.R. 1 and S. 1, dubbed the For the People Act, which also would allow the controversial practice of ballot harvesting, ban most voter ID laws, and restrict states in maintaining voter laws. Of course. Because the Democrat Party is corrupt. It hates America. Hates America. Thinks America is racist. And, of course, the Democrat Party would know, given its history of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, and that ilk. Bills like H.R. 1, S. 1 risk inflating these numbers even further, pushing our election system toward error, disenfranchisement, ultimately widespread doubt about any election, said Adams. Well, Stacey Abrams supports it, and Michelle Obama supports it. By the way, where is Michelle Obama? Why hasn't she posted one of her infamous videos talking about What's happening to women in Afghanistan under, under Biden? You know, women in Afghanistan, ladies and gentlemen, they're not getting pay equity. Are you aware of this? They're not getting pay equity. No, they're being brutalized and raped and murdered. But apparently, the Me Too movement knows boundaries, right? If you can attack Republicans, then Me Too the hell out of it. But, and a few, uh, few Democrats will throw overboard. But if a whole country is set to brutalize its women, its little girl, you hear nothing. These leftist women in Hollywood are shameless. They are, they are politically disgusting hacks. And they don't care about the women in Afghanistan. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. And it goes on. 
The 2020 election, there are serious questions about what took place, particularly in Pennsylvania, where the Constitution of the state was violated and the federal Constitution was violated, and the U.S. Supreme Court failed to do its job, even though a few justices clearly wanted to. But what of all these ballots? What of all these ballots? Why are the Democrats in favor of doing even more? Why is Newsom in California having ballots mailed everywhere, all over the place? Or watch the law, everywhere. And then they harvest them. In other words, the thugs go out into nursing homes and they, they pressure people, like the mob. You got any ballots? No, I, I don't. Uh, I said, sign the line. Oh, okay. No, 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 that's count every vote, don't you see? Count every vote. And if you don't agree with the Democrat Party, you're racist. If you don't agree with their Marxist agenda, you're obviously a racist. What else could you possibly be? Right. We need to claw our way back. We need to push back. You're in the right place, because I don't give up. And we red-blooded Americans, we don't give up. As bad as it looks and as bad as it gets. We don't give up. While we can still battle, we need to battle. I'll be right back. Senator Tom Cotton, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, although the country's going to hell, Senator, I must tell you. Um... I want to tell you that the Jerusalem Post, this is breaking, uh, Saudi Arabia has signed some kind of joint military cooperation agreement with, with Russia. And Iran and Russia uh, are, are going to be involved soon in a um, joint military exercise. And this is just the beginning, I think. I even think in our own hemisphere, south of the border, of some of these communist regimes, Nicaragua and some of the others. I think we're going to see this spread. Uh, so much of what we've done under both parties over more than half a century um, to establish our, uh, our strength, it has just all, it, it, so much of it has just melted away. I'd be curious of your, of your opinion. I'm afraid you're right, Mark. Um, you know, what's happening now is just a continuation of what happened in the Obama-Biden era. Now that it's the Biden era, you know, Russia had been um, a peripheral player in the Middle East, if a player at all, since 1973, um, when Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger helped eject them from the Middle East. And Obama basically invited, invited them back in after the Syrian red line fiasco when he refused to enforce his own red line. And now you've got uh, countries like Saudi Arabia, a longstanding partner of the United States, who see what's happened with Joe Biden's bug out in Afghanistan, where we're abandoning not just Afghans who helped us, but even our own citizens. And they think they need to start cutting side deals uh, to protect their own interests. Um, you know, some people have compared what's happened over the last week in Afghanistan to what happened in Saigon in 1975. And remember, what happened in Saigon in 1975 was just a small foretaste of what lay ahead. Laos and Cambodia fell almost immediately. You had the horrors of Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. Cuba was sending shock troops all over the um, all over Latin America and to Africa as well. Russia invaded uh, Afghanistan. Um, so for years uh, that reverberated. And I'm afraid that uh, Joe Biden's impotence uh, and incompetence in Afghanistan will reverberate for years to come. Now, let me ask you something. I'm, I may be in the minority in this, and I don't really care. We have 2,500 
American uh, forces, uh, personnel, military personnel in Afghanistan, non-military. We had this air base that was impenetrable. We had uh, some contractors who were trying to keep the, uh, the Afghan Air Force, such as it is, but particularly their helicopters maintained. We had six to 7,000 combat troops from NATO and other countries. And things seem to be pretty well neutralized. Why did we have to take them out? Yeah, Mark, I'll, I'll say this. Those are all good questions. And there are questions that I and others on the armed services and intelligence committees asked repeatedly of Biden administration officials. And we never got good answers. Um, there are two main sets of questions. The first we're seeing playing out now is uh, how do you plan to conduct this withdrawal? How are you going to do so in a way that's safe? for our own citizens who are in country, and it doesn't allow the Taliban to seize power rapidly. Never had any good answers, as we've seen in reality today. Um, the second set of questions are, are what you raised, which is we have a relatively light footprint here, but for 20 years we've been able to suppress foreign terrorists in the country. We haven't seen a mass casualty terror attack launched in our country from Afghanistan since 9-11. But now the Taliban isn't just back to where they were in 9-11. They're uh, in a stronger position. They control all of Afghanistan. You know, back in, in the 1990s, they never controlled northern Afghanistan. And they have all that American equipment and the prestige of driving Joe Biden out of Afghanistan as well. So it's going to be a huge source of inspiration and motivation for Salafi jihadists all around the world, who I expect today are pouring into Afghanistan. And Joe Biden's claim that they have some kind of over-the-horizon counterterrorism capability is farce. Um, Afghanistan is uniquely challenging because it's hundreds of miles from an ocean. It has no friendly nations on its border. We will have zero ability to identify threats in the country and to eliminate those threats once identified. That's different from Yemen or Somalia or Syria or anywhere else that we can easily access. And Joe Biden could never answer those questions. And we're not going to send a huge military force in there now. I mean, I don't see the political support for such a thing. Uh, uh, but And yet, I have to be honest with you, Senator Cotton. They have no plan for getting citizens out. They don't even know how many. They're not all in Kabul. They're all over the country. I really think the only way to get them out is to go in there with muscle like these cockroaches have never seen and get them out and then get out. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that, Mark. I mean, look, the French and the British and even the Dutch now are going out on patrols into Kabul to collect their own citizens and take them back to the airport. Secretary of State Tony Blinken yesterday, in a pathetic display of weakness, said that, you know, well, the Taliban control Kabul and we have to deal with that reality. Here's the way we should deal with that reality. We should say the Taliban did control Kabul, but now we control Kabul. And if the Taliban interfere at all with the evacuation of American citizens, we will destroy everyone in our sight. Our military is perfectly capable of doing that, but Joe Biden is not going to let them do that. He's worried about optics. We're worried about our citizens. And then what, what is the, how is this going to resonate through all our enemy states and the terrorist organizations? They're going to see our people don't mean anything to us. Yeah, I mean, you know, just today, Jen Psaki said, oh, don't worry, there aren't Americans stranded in Afghanistan. Mark, my aides in my office who have been working around the clock for more than a week now to try to help these stranded American citizens could tell you, yes, in fact, they are stranded. They are being beaten. They are being intimidated. They're having their passports confiscated. And if Joe Biden proceeds with his plans to get out of the country by Tuesday, 
that means that those flights are probably going to stop in the next three or four days because they have to start, start rolling up operations at the airport and getting our military out. And we'll have hundreds, if not thousands, of de facto hostages inside Afghanistan. They might not be under lock and key in a prison, but they will be totally subject to the whims of the Taliban and any terrorist organization there. So if you thought uh, 52 hostages in Tehran in 1979 paralyzed America, just wait until the Taliban holds at its mercy thousands of American citizens. And you know, Senator Cut, I don't see any George Patton. I don't see any general stepping up. I don't see anybody saying, I can't be a part of this. I'm going to leave or anything like that. You know, I, I remember them all bailing on Trump and Trump because they didn't like it. None of them are bailing on Biden. Isn't this a humiliation for them? Well, it was obvious to me that from the, some of the press conferences last week um, that our senior military was explaining that they had to close down Bagram because Joe Biden put an artificial cap on the number of troops we can have there, and he refused to keep enough, enough troops in the country just to secure Bagram as well as the airport and the embassy. Um, and this goes back to Joe Biden's um, you know, hostility and bitterness towards the military at least to 2009. All the accounts of that era describe how uh, Biden was bitter that uh, President Obama at the time went with the military over Biden's recommendations on what to do in Afghanistan. And I think the relationships right now are just extremely tense between Biden and the senior military leaders. Um, and he's just extremely stubborn. And I think a lot of them are trying to figure out what to do for the best of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, when you ask them, any of them, and any of their press secretaries, how are you going to get these people out, they don't have any answer. And, they, and, they, they and the Taliban, yeah. yeah. It's getting stronger and stronger. They are. And I, I mean, Mark, again, I think they don't have an answer because their commander-in-chief is not giving them what they need to get an answer. I mean, again, it, if the Dutch, for God's sakes, mm. can go on to patrols into Afghanistan to evacuate their citizens, then the armed force of the United States can certainly go on patrols to evacuate our citizens. If they're given the resources they need and the troops they need and the rules of engagement that allow them to defend themselves and our citizens and smoke any Taliban that gets in their way. You probably have to go, is that right? <laughs> I've always got time for you, Mark. All right, I, I need you just a little bit longer after the break. I have a couple more questions I want to ask you, Senator. We'll be right back with Senator Cut. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. We're with uh, Senator Tom Cotton. Senator Cotton, um, this administration has taken off, it appears, virtually every military option off the table. That's why they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They they say the Taliban, we're in contact with the the Taliban's the enemy. The Taliban is the enemy. And remember, the Taliban is a ragtag gang of a bunch of illiterate goat herds. Uh, Yes, they have support throughout the country uh, in various segments of the population, but they could not for a moment stand up to the troops that we have inside the Kabul airport or more troops that we could flow into that airport. So it, it is shameful that Joe Biden and his secretary of state are saying that the Taliban are in control of Kabul and we have to negotiate with them out of reality. All we have to say is the United States is now in control of Kabul, and anyone who interferes with the evacuation of an American citizen will be killed on sight. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do that, is he, Senator? 
course he's not going to do that. I mean, this is an example of Joe Biden and his prickly stubbornness and pridefulness. He thinks that he's been right about Afghanistan for 12 years at a minimum, and everyone, to include President Obama, should have listened to him, and he's going to show everyone. And, and know what they're saying, Mark. They're saying that no Americans are stranded, and we're going to get out every American who wants to get out. Ridiculous. I, I'm afraid that that's their way to justify rolling up uh, operations later this week so they can get all the troops out by August 31st, and then anyone who's stuck, well, I guess they didn't want to get out because Joe Biden so incompetently executed his decision to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan. I, I never could believe. I mean, it's hard to believe we're in this spot, isn't it, Senator? Mark, it's amazing. I mean, last Sunday, eight days ago, you know, I had my kids out playing with them, and I got a call from a high school classmate of mine who said he knew someone stuck in Kabul. I was like, how did you ever meet someone from Afghanistan? He said, no, he, he's from here in town. I was like, wait, there's an American citizen with an American passport stuck behind Taliban lines? It was only at that moment that it began to dawn on me the scale of the catastrophe and the incompetence uh, in the Biden administration, that we had 10,000 10, or more American citizens stuck behind Taliban lines. And that's why, you know, my, my age, I'm so proud of the young men and women working in my office who've been working around the clock now for a week to get um, Americans out. But it, it's kind of disgraceful that a freelancing Senate office has to take this upon itself, as opposed to our State Department, who should have been planning from the very beginning to get all these Americans out. And let me ask you another question. Most people who leave America and go to Afghanistan or travel between the two countries have to have a passport, correct? Yeah, of course. And in that passport, we know if they're an American citizen, correct? Of course we do. Well, what the hell? They say they don't know how many Americans are in Afghanistan. Why don't they check their computers yeah. and their software? I know. I, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, par- part of me suspects that they, they have a pretty good estimate maybe not down to the single digits, but right. within the 100 or 200 or so. And they don't want to reveal it to the world because it is so humiliating. And they don't want to reveal it to the Taliban. They'll let the Taliban know just how many Americans are stuck in the country. I get that we can't know every single American who may have hopped on a flight three weeks ago and gone to the Persian Gulf or gone to India or what have you. But within a few hundred, you would think this uh, the U.S. government would be able to estimate how many citizens we have there, especially since we knew that we were leaving for the last four months. And they were asked today at the Defense Department, do you have an inventory of the equipment that we lost? No. Do you know how many people are over there? No. What's your plan to get them out? Mealy mouth? I mean, we're in, what, what day is yeah, this, eight? I, day eight or something? Yeah, and, and, and Mark, I mean, I, I know that people are focused on a lot of the big-ticket items that are humiliating to see in the hands of the Taliban, like Blackhawks. Um, but what the... Um, the Taliban can really use is that individual soldier equipment, things that you know not easily found. Sixty thousand rifles, I think I read. Tens of thousands of rifles, machine guns, night vision goggles. Even an illiterate Taliban soldier can pick up a pair of night vision goggles, put in a couple AAA batteries, and turn the knob on them. That is a huge advantage they're going to have. Even when those Blackhawks can't fly anymore, even when the Humvees break down because they don't have spare parts, all those stuff for individual soldiers, they'll absolutely be able to use for years to come. All right, Senator, one more question. Fifty Democrat senators in the Senate. Almost none of them are saying anything, particularly the leadership. Yeah, well, Chuck Schumer's too busy dancing at political events. You call that dancing? 
looked like he was having a stroke. No offense. I'd say I'm a pretty bad dancer, Mark, but I think I could even I could do it better than that. I'm sure I'm sure you could. Uh, I'm but, sure I yeah, could. The, the, yes. The silence is deafening from these Democratic senators. Um, you know, they uh, almost to a person, I can tell you, they're appalled by what they see in Afghanistan. Um, but you know, they they don't want to do anything to rock the boat. I mean, I, I look. I, I think Joe Biden and his White House team view this as like a bad news cycle and a campaign that if they just keep telling lies that people will move on and they'll go off the front pages and they get they can get back to doing what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do tonight, pass her $3.5 trillion tax and spend budget. Um, and, and it's appalling that they're treating this just like a minor political irritant when we have thousands of Americans who, st- who are stuck in Afghanistan. Can you imagine, first of all, wouldn't, can you imagine if Donald Trump were president, this was going on, the... You know, they say the media is turning on Biden. I mean, they're doing what they do to turn on Biden, but this is not really brutalizing Biden the way they would a Republican president, don't you think? No, it, it's not. Um, and I think that if Donald Trump were president, or frankly, um, almost any Republican, geez, I mean, would we have executed this withdrawal so incompetently? Would we be standing by saying, pretty please and mother may I to the Taliban? It's hard to imagine, Mark. Um, but, uh, I mean, Joe Biden's impotence is on display for the entire world. We're going to have to take this presidency back, Senator. I don't know if you're interested in it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But we have to have okay. some really, really top people step up because I'm very, very worried about the future of this country. This, uh, what's happening at the border, is an absolute disgrace. What's happening internally here, they want to completely change our governing system and our economic system. I'm not overblowing this. All you have to, as you well know, you're on the floor. You have to listen to these people. This is a big, big uh, challenge for uh, freedom-loving uh, Americans, is it not? It really is, Mark. I mean, the, the immediate way to pump the brakes, uh, besides the um, fight in the Senate uh, and in the House to this reckless taxing and spending plan, is to win back the Senate and the House next year in 2022. But it's going to take uh, new leadership after the 24 elections to turn around America's role in the world and restore, you know, respect of America among our allies and fear among our adversaries in the same way it did with Ronald Reagan in 1980. You know, you saw, as we mentioned earlier, you know, after the catastrophe in Saigon in 1975, that was just a small, bitter taste of the cup that was served uh, to America for many years to come around the world. And uh, I'm afraid that this humiliation in Afghanistan, which is much worse than what happened in Saigon, is also just going to be a small foretaste of what we see from our adversaries for the next three and a half years. You make a very important point in your distinction between Saigon and this. And Colonel Kemp last night on my TV show, he also said the Vietnamese wanted to control Vietnam. That is, the, the, North, the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. They never attacked America, continental America. This is different. These people not only attacked us, they want to keep attacking us. And so for an entire country to fall like this, and he also, you know, he fought there. He was commander of British forces, and he even said, um, this is so totally different. He said, this may be the worst foreign policy blunder since the end of World War II. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. And I saw your interview with him last night. I think he made a pretty compelling case. Again, uh, it is much worse than Saigon. I mean, we'd been out of Vietnam for over two years. Um, there's no uh, gap here at all. Um, and as he said, you know, the Vietnamese were not trying to strike the American homeland. Um, the Taliban are already uh, harboring terrorist groups in Afghanistan that want to do that. And again, this is going to be huge 
boost to the morale and motivation and an inspiration to uh, Salafi jihadist terrorists all around the world. They're going to pour in Afghanistan. They're going to know they're safe there because the American military intelligence community will have so little presence in the country. Um, and they're going to use it to try to launch another 9-11 style attack against us. And that is in addition to countries like China already using this to intimidate our partners like Taiwan, mm-hmm. saying that you can't count on America anymore. So, no, I'm afraid that the consequences of, of this fiasco will reverberate for many years. All right, I lied. Last one. And the southern border is wide open. How can you have that border wide open yeah. when, you, when you know these people want to attack us, Senator? Well, uh, Mark, I would joke if it were funny that if you're in Afghanistan, all you really need to do if you can't get on one of those flights out of Kabul is try to find a way to Mexico. And then you just come to the border and you can walk right in. Um, I mean, it is a catastrophe there as well. We've had more than a million illegal migrants just show up at our border and be waved in by the Biden administration without any regard for the public health consequences uh, at a time when so few countries to our south are uh, effectively vaccinated or the security consequences. I mean, I've, uh, I think the latest number is that over 150 foreign, co- or foreign nationals from 150 countries uh, have uh, be, uh, arrived at our border and crossed over. I personally met people from Romania and Bangladesh when I was there a few months ago. I mean, think about how they had to get uh, from their home countries to our southern border. I mean, it is a uh, security and a public health and economic fiasco at our border. Well, Senator Cotton, thank you for your time and thank you for your patriotism before and now and a very, very important uh, leader. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Always good to be on with you. You take care of yourself. He is terrific. Absolutely terrific. Head over to Amazon.com and grab your copies of American Marxism. They're still 40% off. Get them in your hands. Get them in the hands of friends and family. Get them in the hands of co-workers or any kids going to college. Please, let's spread the word as fast and as often as we can. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. And I have my fingers crossed that you folks are going to rush into Amazon when I get off the air. You're going to clower it and pivot it and get in there and get your copies of American Marxism, less than 17 bucks each, and get it to as many people as you can. It's the message that's important. One day I will tell you the charities that I'm going to support, one in particular. But that's not for today. That's not for today. Today, it's America, period. If we, don't, if we don't do these things, nobody else is going to do them for us. If we don't embrace our principles, which each of you do, but understand them in the context of what we're facing, we can't win. In many ways, it's like a military operation or a successful political operation or a successful business. You need to know what you're up against in order to defeat it. Now let me just say this again about Biden and the weakest generals in American history and the most incompetent and an American-hating so-called public officials in modern times who've been appointed not because they're smart, not because they're good, because Joe Biden went through a whole 
the first, he's appointed the first this and the first that and the first this. But what's interesting is there's no diversity of thought. It's all physical diversity, not intellectual diversity. And not even, and not even smart intellectual diversity. Stupid people. They're going to cost lives of Af- in people in Afghan and maybe American citizens. Unless they change course, as of right now when I speak, they have taken all military options off the table. That's why he closed down that air base, Bagram. To make it impossible to have the best military options on the table. Right? That's why he took the military out first. I'm telling you. These aren't accidents. There has to be a reason for everything he's doing. Take the military out first. Worry about the people second. Rather than do what you have to do to get the people out, that is the citizenry out, to get out several of the people who befriended us and whom we befriended. He didn't just get it ass backwards. He intended to make it ass backwards. And the reason they can't answer the question, hello media, hello, hello. Media, I'm talking to you. The reason he can't answer your question or none of the other nimrods will answer your question is because they don't know how they're going to get all the Americans out of there because all the military options, at least as I speak now, are off the table. Did you hear the flunky at the State Department who was interviewed by Chris Wallace? Did you hear the flunky? Just had to accept the fact that they control Kabul. Well, then if you accept that fact, we lost. You know, this is like the worst surrender in American history. I've never seen anything like this. And look what we're surrendering to. It's, it's unbelievable. Look where they drag us. Look how they drag us down. Look how they, they drag us down on securing our border. Look how they drag us down economically. Look how they drag our kids down in elementary school and high school and our colleges and universities. These are vile people with poisonous ideologies. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I say a prayer for the people in Afghanistan, Americans and Afghans. I'm going to also say a side prayer for Indy, my son's dog. Please, please grab your copies of American Marxism. Spread the word. You're the Paul Revere's. See you tomorrow. <laughs>